You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. My name is Reese DeManey along with Colin Ward. And round number two is well underway. And it's been very exciting to say the least. Drama. So far. Yes, absolutely. Drama on and well in one particular series off the ice as well. (laughs) And you, uh, you expected we'll that. Touch, uh, you expected that. Absolutely. Absolutely. After the Kitchen Rangers upset the London Knights last year, you had to expect that there was going to be a lot of, a lot of, not hate, but a lot of, you know, back and forth banter yeah. and rough stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that. Of course, we'll, we'll break down the first few games uh, so far in round number two. Of course, we'll you know, give our overall thoughts on the weekend. We'll look at players of the week. Talk about those round two playoff matchups. And of course, the OHL priority selection is coming up this weekend. Friday night is round number one. And then the rest takes place on Saturday. That will wrap up this week's edition of the OHL in 60 podcast. Should be a fun way to end the show heading into the week. But before we yeah. get started, um, we ventured out. Throughout this past yes, week, we have. or past weekend, I should say, you know, of yeah. course, fitting in as much baseball, as much OHL playoffs as we could fit in as well. But um, this is our poll question as well. You can find it at the OHL and 60 <laughs> podcast on Twitter. Um, you know, going out, Colin, going to beer town. That's that. That's your stop. Uh, myself, oh, it's my incredible. girlfriend actually made it to uh, uh, Silverstone Brewing Company in Niagara on the lake. It is very small. It's like right on the strip, Niagara Stone Road. Um, That's cool. If you're heading from the QEW, so what's this, what's it'll be this place lake. called? Right, Silverstone Brewing Company. Okay, um, I'm looking it up. Uh, to tell you how good it is, I brought home 12 cans that day. So nice. <laughs> that was that was That's nice. Feasible for but, this country. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's the one place that I. Uh, I found a Kansas City Royals fan. I never thought I'd find a Kansas City Royals fan uh, in Niagara on the Lake, Ontario. But I walked in there with a Javier Baez shirt, but he's been terrible to start the year. So that was a little depressing hey, for how me many to outs? do that. Did he but, ask you how many outs there were? Man, yeah, he uh, should have. I don't think he, he didn't, but he should have because that was bad. But uh, yeah. yeah, Kansas City Royals fan, Niagara on the Lake, Ontario. Guy's named after George Brett. His first name's Brett. Um, That's which is pretty sweet, yeah. Um, but yeah, I would just like to say their beer is phenomenal. Uh, very good beer. If you're in the area, go check it out. It's in an old church, uh, if you're wondering what it looks like from the outside. So that that's what it is. But um, this is our oh, poll really question here. for the week. Silversmith. Did I say Silverstone? Yes, Silversmith. Uh, Silversmith on Niagara Stone Road. So there you go. Um Ooh, and I think I saw it's, the burger you got. Yeah, the burger, very good. Yeah, yes. Bun. It, so it's got it's got two patties, pulled pork, and then it's got slaw on the bottom. This is the poll question at the OHL and 60 podcast. Are burgers better with slaw? Absolutely, they are. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're both in the yes category. Absolutely. Yeah, like I'm trying to think back to a regular this weekend. Yeah, you know, you're a you're a regular there now. They probably know what you want when you walk in. Oh, they know me. Oh yeah, they know the show. You're, you're the guy. Now. 
You're the guy that walks in. Waterloo. Y'all have the in usual. Waterloo, too. Just walk yeah. in and say you want the oh, usual. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, a wobbly pop and a uh, nice little barbecue brisket burger. My go-to every time. Right on. It's pretty good. Yeah, and you know it's incredible. I got burnt as bad this week, so it was nice to get out. Yes, the beer cow. well, and that that's part of this first segment <laughs> here. Um, we get the chirps out. We get all our our food questions cool. out. Um, Colin Ward already has the farmer's tan going, and he is headed for Florida. Yeah, you, you said two Fridays, a week from uh, Friday, week, a week from Friday. Yeah, so, so week from this um, Friday. You're you're the you're the farmer that's gonna show up with the worst farmer's tan, and we're only oh. in April. Um, so help me out here because it's already Should it's already showing this? on your forehead. Yeah, I got like a strap mark from my hat. Yeah, like you don't you don't have a you don't have a runway forehead. You're not, it's not that big, but if you did, the seven forty seven is deciding whether to land on the white side or the tan side. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, but your forehead, your forehead I, isn't that. I should big, get a little. So. You don't have a five. I don't have You're the, good. I don't have the freckles. Yeah, I don't have the freckles either. So it'd be like, what light do we lean on? Like, <laughs> what, what's drip? But yeah, um, and then I got to the point where I'm thinking, like, do I just get a spray tan? But like, he, here's the thing. Here's and the then problem. I was you immediately like, yo, you better not. No, no, yeah, I don't think I will. But here's the thought. Here's why that came in my mind. There's pros and cons. I mean, obviously, you get rid of the farmer's tan, but then all of a sudden, you go there and you go suns out, guns out, right? And then it burns anything. So, and you put a little sunscreen on the arms to the sleeve, and then you just burn the rest so it goes even. But then I was thinking about the spray tan, a, a big con to it. You imagine I go into the beach, and all of a sudden, I get out of the water, and you just see the spray tan just running down my arms. <laughs> That'd be odd. That would be so embarrassing. But Your it skin would look like Trump's hair. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that would be hilarious, but it would be bad. Oh my so, god. That's the one question I had, but that would definitely be a memory for sure. But uh yeah, that was my one plan. I got burnt this week. I had like fourteen thousand steps in two days. Went on a couple big walks. Um so on Saturday and Sunday when it was hot out, because you know when it's hot, you know, like those are what like the weather this weekend was incredible here it was great. in Ontario. It was the be- like it was unreal. Yes. And I'm thinking like it's such nice weather, and you go through that mindset where it's like, I just got to get out. I got to get out. It doesn't matter what we do. I just want to get out of get out of the house. Let's mm-hmm. just go do whatever. So I go for a walk. Two days. Um, had like 14,000 steps both days. Um, all of a sudden, like I come home Saturday, I'm like burnt. Go do the same thing Sunday. And yesterday, I noticed when you go down to Beer Town on Sunday at night, we went to Beer Town in Waterloo, and I'm thinking – I take my hat off and my girlfriend's laughing at me and like, what, what's going on? <laughs> and you look at my forehead and you see the runway. I go, oh, no. So yeah, that was from a walk, but uh, definitely had to get out. It's like when it was nice like this and hey, it was nice. We hit a patio too. We had a couple patios this weekend. Mm-hmm. I love patio season. Don't know about you, but I love it. Like yeah. it's so much better than winter. And then all of a sudden Monday comes and it's like, what is this? So man, I, I got even... a little taste of it. I'm excited. I didn't even leave the house Monday. This whole new working from home thing has been been pretty good. Yeah. I haven't been in the office since it. Tuesday. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Nice. So. But, you know, like, it's uh, it's definitely, like, it's tough to go outside on Monday and Tuesday after witnessing what we had on the weekend. But definitely can't wait for the summertime because cannot wait to hit the golf course. 
in that weather again because it's yeah. so nice. And, you know, those are the type of days. You know what it was like on Saturday or on Friday? Thursday or Friday when it got nice out there, like, like the first time all day. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, you know what would be nice to do? That It would be nice to go golf. And it was the type of day when it was, like, a little bit of cloud, but it was still sunny. It would be nice. That would be the nicest day to play uh, two rounds of 18 that day, just play all day. Like that was the type of day where it's like golf golf courses must make a killing that day because you got these people average Joe thinking like, Hey, I'm going to the tour today, I'm gonna buy a membership <laughs> and all and then like you're just there all day, right? Like you're there all day. And yeah. now this weekend was so much like that where it's like, I cannot wait to golf because like it's the type of day where you just want to go outside and golf all day or like go play mm-hmm. baseball, do something outside. And it was nice too to see a lot of kids and families outside as well, um, enjoying the weather because like when I was a kid, I was always outside playing hockey or baseball, like doing yeah. something. Um, and it's nice to see that again. Like, you know, put down the PlayStation controller and get outside. And it's it was so nice after a long winter to have those days. So that was nice to see. And it was nice playoff water. So I remember in 2012-2013, um, well, growing up, when it was the second round of the playoffs, growing up being a lot of Knights fan, whenever they were on the road, we'd have, my dad and I would have the game – I would have – the Blue Jays game on one of our iPads. And then we would, with Jerry Howard, one of the best broadcasters all time in Blue Jays history, um, who should be in the level of excellence, hands down. Um, I miss him calling games. I mean, it hasn't been the same since uh, Jerry Howard's been uh, not with the team. And uh, having Mike Stubbs call the Knights games, those were our Sunday afternoons when the Knights were on the road in the playoffs. And we'd just be outside all day listening to the Knights game and listening to the Jays game. But uh, mm-hmm. most, def- most definitely it was nice to kind of get that childhood back and outside and uh, have some yeah. fun on the weekend. So can't wait for the weather to come by. But most definitely mm-hmm. coleslaw goes on a Hamburg to make it a burger. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that now that you mentioned the Jays, I have a bone to pick with Go Transit. Um, whose idiotic idea was it to have hourly go service on a Sunday where it was over 20 degrees while the Jays were home? Whose moronic idea was that? Hourly service on the Lakeshore West line on a Sunday when it's sunny and the Jays are home. Did you get the weekend pass? Because the weekend pass is a savior. Remember, we so, got it there before. So I didn't have to pay. My mom preloaded a Presto card for me when I saw them on Saturday. So I didn't have to pay a thing. Nice. Um, but like, but I, those so are clutch, though, those weekend passes. Oh, yeah. 10 bucks. Absolutely. 10 bucks. You can ride all day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I took the train from Aldershot to Union, the 1037 Lakeshore West train to Union Station. It, it was full yeah. by like Clarkson. And we still had like five more stops, four or five more stops to go. Yeah, like yeah, that—that's yeah, a stupid our, idea. Like, what what are we doing here? Let, let's give our hands a shake. I know there was construction going on, but why why are we doing it on a weekend there, that the Jays are home? Like, yeah, that 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 doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, um, yeah, just no, be better. Don't don't suck. That's my message um, for Go Transit <laughs> this past weekend. You know. You know the night. You know what go train's nice to take when you get that go train that goes once every half hour, like how it usually is, and then there, then you get the one that goes direct from Oakville. Is it? it yeah. So so I caught that on the way home. straight into the Union. Yeah. So I caught That's that nice. on the way home. It went. Um, so the train I got on and then realized it was the wrong one. 
Um, it was Lake the extra Lakeshore West one, but it didn't go to Aldershot. It stopped at Burlington, which is I don't understand that at all. Um, but anyways, uh-huh. so you know, you regroup, you go downstairs, you look at the board, and uh the next Lakeshore West train wasn't for another 40 minutes, which kind of sucked. Um yeah. You know, what, it was nice that it wasn't the full hour, but um, because of that train being an extra. Well, after the game. Sucked. Uh, yeah, and after the game at the ballpark, you just want to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that that's what made this nice. And I, I don't know how many Jays fans actually made the whole trip to Niagara Falls, um, but there ended up being a 520 train uh, to Niagara Falls. To Niagara. And yeah, that's nice. Not, I, again, I took the train to Aldershot because – the trains rarely stop in St. Catharines and I ain't driving to Niagara Falls to go back the other way. That'd be dumb. Yeah. Um, so, so this train went to exhibition. Um, I want to say port credit, Oakville, Burlington, Aldershot, and then straight through to Niagara Falls. So you got half yeah. the stops and I, we actually passed that original Lakeshore West train that didn't go to Aldershot. Yes. So that was nice. It, it was it was probably would have been an hour, 15, hour 20 if I would have taken the regular one. And it, but that's a good heads up. So that's a good heads up, though. If yeah, you're look, going to look for the Niagara Shot, one. go to the, yeah, take the Niagara one, but just be ready to get off. Yeah. yeah it was funny. The guy repeated, uh, if you did not hear your stop on uh, my last announcement, you were on the wrong train. So get off. Get off. That was funny. I enjoyed that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's but, a stupid uh, idea. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's nice. That's yeah, not great. Um, never let, hey, Friday night, by the way, I caught the Alliance uh, championship game, game five, do or die. Um, travel across London from uh, the north side to the fairground arena. Took me 45 minutes in, in rush hour. So London's getting pretty congested as well. But, hey, you know, it's, you know what it's like in Ontario, right? It's turning into Michigan where there's winter and construction season. And London has been in construction for at least – at least three, four years now, where yeah, right around London, Bud, London kind of got shot down to Labatt. Yeah, Dundas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And event like eventually, I could see that all being torn up too, to the bridge to Labatt. Yeah, but um, unlikely. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just like incredible to see how much like I can see another six years of work being done here in London. Um, but uh, they've done it. I like the interlocking brick roads but there's a like it just it was tough with the construction and with the traffic and uh it wasn't even rush hour either because game was at seven you're driving out like six six mm-hmm. thirty so it wasn't too bad but it's just like it's hard to believe how uh congested london is getting i mean i, I already knew about kitchener and guelph i mean going to guelph it was funny going to guelph you can get to night you can get to uh mississauga fashion you can get to guelph um now from uh for here the bulldogs i mean when the bulldogs home open it took forever to get to guelph because of the construction on the highway yeah um get the mississauga just right up the road there but it's just crazy to see how congested the roads are getting and all that traffic and how much ontario is growing so that's pretty yeah. nice to see but well it also does crazy but uh yeah it also doesn't help you get game two between kitchener and london friday night either right everybody everybody making yeah. their way down to the bud yeah, absolutely, and that was a really good hockey game as well. I mean, the mm-hmm. Knights' pace this week was incredible. But um, I just want to mention the Alliance Championship. What a hockey game that one was. Um, 7-1 Waterloo final. Waterloo's a team. I mean, Brady Martin on the team. Um, 
projected top three pick. I think he go. I think he goes one or two. Um, one, two, three are right up for grabs. I mean, we'll talk about this later on in the show, but I believe one, two, and three are pretty cut in stone here. Who who's going to go in that order? But mm-hmm. it's nice to see Martin Rubrick, um, Weir, uh, Gerber, um, Ratcliffe on Lewis Stud. Um, goaltending for Waterloo is incredible too. I mean, seven one score. Sometimes you can sleepwalk, but London was a better team in the first half of the hockey game, and they had some big saves in there. So Waterloo with goaltending. Um, I'll have to look up the notes here after the break, but yeah. get the names and stuff for you. But what a goal! Um, he played really well, and um, I'll look it up right now quickly. Yeah, no but, problem. Um, while you do that, I'll I'll get to the players of the week here, and then we'll give our thoughts on the weekend yeah. before we head to break. Um, we'll you. start. We'll start with goaltender of the week. It is San Jose Sharks prospect Ben Godreau of the Sarnia Sting, of course. Two and zero, they point four seven goals against average, save percentage of nine eighty three, and this helped the Sting jump out to a two nothing series lead over the Saginaw Spirit. With that series shifting across the border to Michigan, uh, started with a three nothing victory on home ice in game number one, followed up by a 2-1 overtime victory uh, in game number two. Uh, That included a 33-save performance um, in that overtime victory as well. So um, 26-save shutout in game one, 33 saves for a 2-1 victory in game number two. Player of the week from the Barry Colts, Evan Veerling, uh, recording seven assists in three games. And of course this included uh, the Barry Colts series clinching victory against the Hamilton Bulldogs over a week ago, um, two Mondays yeah. ago, that was a five, four road win um, at first Ontario center. Four of those assists came in that game. And that included the primary on Ethan Cardwell's uh, snipe over the glove of Mateo Drobak to win that series. So he is this week's OHL player of the week. Now our thoughts on the weekend, Colin. Um, yeah. You know, Three. we're look we're looking at a uh, a two one series lead for the Knights. We'll get into these more in depth after the break. But uh, Knights lead two to one, Sting lead two nothing, and we are tied at one in the Eastern Conference. Ottawa sixty sevens, Pedro Peets, and North Bay Battalion and Barry Colts. I guess we can start with the Rangers and Knights, Colin, uh, at least with the off-ice stuff. We'll focus more on the ice uh, next segment. Um, yeah. uh, Rangers GM, head coach uh, Mike McKenzie, $5,000 fine uh, following comments after game number two. Of course, Mark Hunter uh, giving his two cents as well. Um, you see the Twitter feud, if you want to call it a feud, more like a battle yeah. or entertainment for everybody else. Uh, Mike Farwell, yeah, exactly. Ryan Payette um, on Twitter. Uh, again, great at what they do. Um, it's yeah. just really entertaining to to watch them. Uh, that was in the Kitchener London effect. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so so let's start there, Colin. Um, expect it from a rivalry like this to this extent. I don't know if we did, but yeah. still, for the OHL fan, very very entertaining. Um, on and off the ice. Yeah, by the way, Waterloo goaltender Reed Strauss um, played really well on Friday. I thought it looked really good. And, uh, I mean, if it's Waterloo's goaltending, I call McKenzie gave up four. And, um, 
the goaltending looked really good in that game as well on Friday. And yeah, this series, Reese, I mean, the series hasn't been close. It's so lopsided. And that's my point. I, I tweeted out about it. And I'm thinking maybe instead of complaining about the calls, when you've been outplayed so bad, 5 1 and 8 to 4, maybe we should focus on something other than power plays. Um, obviously, you're getting outplayed bad. London had the puck. London played with faster pace, which is massive. How often, and this was my point I always complained about during the regular season. When I see complaints going around here, I'm thinking, okay, one, if you're going to complain, the steps to complain about officiating, and heck, I'm a stickler for it. I'm always on the officials when the time comes. In this case, I'm actually not. Because, one, how often do you see a penalty with a, te- a stick penalty with the team that has the puck, the puck carrier? You don't see it. It's not going to happen. So, if you don't As we puck, saw with Niagara and Hamilton this year. Exactly. Exactly. How are like look? London's playing faster pace, and maybe instead of complaining about the calls, it's an easy way out. It really is. It's frustration. And honestly, when I heard that, I thought maybe Kitchener was a little too tired after going through Windsor, and maybe they just don't have anything in the tank. But obviously, that was wrong on Sunday. But from what the vibes I got is, what what's the plan? What's the adjustment? What's the adjustment? Because when you're a coach. Your job is to be a leader for that team. You have to be the leader. You have to be a strong voice. I get this frustration, but you never had the puck. Um, you lose 5-1 and 8-4. to four. London just dominated them. They dominated them. I mean, they played with faster pace, and that was the main reason. Kitchener couldn't keep up to their speed. When you watch the game, London outplayed them dramatically um, in game one, in game two as well at the start. But Kitchener bounced back, obviously. But the adjustments weren't there and from game one to game two right away and you saw it game three to game four but or game two to game three but it's just when the speed when you can't match their pace you're gonna take penalties and when you look at the penalties chart look how many your own sportsman likes look how many frustrated look how many penalties are in the third period late in the third period in their own sportsman like penalties it's almost as if does this player not want to play in the game or do these like it's just frustration penalties when you look at penalty types it looks like frustration penalties i get it it's frustrating in the comments are what they are, and there were some questionable calls. I'm admitting that, but at the same time, I mean, you got to play, and there's bigger fish to fry. You know, it's game, it's it's the playoffs, it's the playoffs, and I get it. Everything's on the line. Everything's more intense. Everything's meaner. Everything, you know, it's gritty hockey. But I just think it's tough when you're looking at the pace of play and to think about calls. You know, you might have to change something up with the system. And I tweeted that out, not even being smart at all. Maybe drop a forward back. Maybe drop an extra forward back. Maybe go one two two, or you know, change it up here. Go one, one one three. Um, change it up because obviously London was just way was the faster team and they had a better. They played with more pace, yeah. and we saw that earlier on in the year. Remember November? Was it November December? Remember when London took it to him in, in the odd like four nothing, and it was just the system. London went in there with the system and just dominated it. Yeah. And that's what the first two games looked like in a way. You saw senses of that where it was like, well, they were just stuck in the system. Dale Hunter, well-coached team in London, and they just stuck within themselves. They ha- And by the way, and I said this at the deadline, Ryan Humphrey was going to be their biggest player um, in the playoffs. And look what he's doing in this round so far. Humpy, um, great to see, really good guy. Um, so important if you want to be a winning team and uh, – He's going to be their best, he's going to be one of their biggest players down the stretch. So Matt, London's going to go if he stays hot. London's going to go right to the finals. Um, that's how big of a part of that team he is. And uh, I just think Kitchener just can keep up with the pace, and that's why 
a little bit of complaints, but that's why the calls were what they are um, mm-hmm. from what I've saw. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, looking at game one, Kitchener three shots in the third period. Um, not a recipe for success for sure. Um, you know what? We'll scratch the break. Um, we'll continue on with round number two here, Colin. Um, and then we'll hit our first break before we head into our, our draft preview and kind of what each team uh, may be looking for into next season. So we'll continue with this series. Um, one last point on it, Colin. Two to one London. Um, heading into game four, which takes place actually tonight um, as this episode debuts. But and we'll focus on this 6-1 bounce back win at the odd. Francesco Pinelli comes back for the Rangers um, in, in a game that was close after 40. We're looking at a 2-1 score heading into the final 20 minutes of game number three. Kitchener scores yeah. four times. Um, yeah. And that includes goals from Pinelli, Arcuri, Martin, and and Hollett. Um to, to finish it off late in this game to make it a six one final, you know, you know, Rangers 37, 31, um, win the shot category, including 15 in the third power plays. They actually had more in this one. They had six power plays to London's four Knights were over four. Mm. So your penalty kill was perfect. Um, power play one for six. So, I mean, five on five, I guess you could say pr- you played pretty well, but, um, well, honestly, honestly heard a little bit more. Um, and then the faceoffs, Kitchener won 35, London only won 24. The Kitchener yeah. won this game because they worked a lot harder and they were way better. More desperate. Um, yeah. desperation, right? In this game. I mean, game three, Kitchener had to win this game. This was almost a this was like a 3-0 series coming into this one on Sunday mm-hmm. for the Rangers. I mean, you had to win that game. And, I mean, you get your captain back and Francesco Pinelli. You know what he's going to bring to the table with his energy. Um, and that was massive. I mean, London was in this game, as you mentioned. But Kitchener just found a way, a desperation, um, played desperate. And we saw that this year from the Rangers. When they played desperate, they've been a good team. Um, and they've been – they're a competitive hockey team. I mean, they're very good on paper. The first two games aren't really what the Kitchener Rangers are. I mean, they didn't sweep – it wasn't a fluke that they swept the first-place team in the Western Conference. I mean, this team's good. This team's for real. And uh, they're not going to go away easy. And this is going to be a long series. I'm just surprised no games have been close. That's the yes. thing to me. No yes. games have been close on, at the end of the game. Um, I didn't really expect that. So, basically, whatever team is winning after the second period is going to win the game, basically, what we've saw so far um, in the series. And uh, so that's interesting to me. But also another point for London. London's power play, too, wasn't – I mean, yeah, um, stats-wise, it's okay. It's above average in the league. But their power play, when you watch it, was it's kind of frustrating to watch at times. I mean, they can defer a little bit. Um, you look for who's that finisher, right? Obviously, Diaco is a guy, but they have a lot of grinders there, right? And they just work their ways mm-hmm. to goals and, around the net. But um, there's times where they're frustrating to watch on the power play and when you watch London's power play. So uh, that was interesting with the 0 for 4. Um, sometimes it's a frustrating team to watch on the power play. But uh, Kitchener needed that game. Kitchener needed that game, and they need the game tonight, too. Um Kitchener's got to find a way to win both. And, hey, you're not out of a season until you lose at home. Yeah, so, they're absolutely. not in. Absolutely. Uh, all right, next matchup in the Western Conference, Sarnia Sting and Saginaw Spirit. Um, Saginaw leads it to – or Sarnia leads it two games to none, heading back to Saginaw uh, for game three. Look at game number one, a 3 nothing shutout for Benjamin Godreau. Um, in a game that the Sting mm-hmm. got outshot um, – I'll 
beaten up by very much. 26-24, so not really a whole lot of shots to go around. Yeah. um, Being a total of 50 uh, in the game. Power plays really non-existent either. We're looking at one power play all game, and that was for Sarnia. They were 0-for-1. They controlled the face-off dot, though. 33 face-off wins for the Sting, only 19 for the Saginaw Spirit. Started with one goal in the first and two goals in the third, finished off by Sasha Pastajov's fourth of the year. Um, and that came late in the third period, too. So we're looking at 2 nothing until the 17.02 mark of the third period. Uh, I've got Sarnia going to the finals, Colin. Um, they're Same. willing to start this, this second-round match Same, against the Saginaw uh, Spirit. But game number two, obviously close. Goes to overtime. Goaltending. Yeah, 47-34, the final shots on goal in favor of the Sting. Power plays favored Sarnia, both goals with the extra man. Um, yeah, you know, Lennox, in the Lennox penalty as well, the late game penalty, that one was tough. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, oh, because when you're a goal, I was going to tweet that out, because when you're a goalie, the one thing you're thinking, right, when you take penalties, and I was lucky, I didn't get scored on when I took penalties, so got lucky <laughs> by desperation time. But you know how Your dad would have benched you, come on. Your dad would have benched <laughs> you if you did. <laughs> For the sadness stands. But uh, I'm watching the game. I'm like, I'm watching the game here, and it's like, oh, no. You know, like, you feel so bad. But in, especially in the playoffs, like, that would be tough. But um, usually when you take a penalty, you got to kill it. But a uh, delay a game. For Lennox and double blues, or it's a dagger to put Sarnia up 2 0, and the rest is history. But I know if you're Lennox, you're excited for game three, that next opportunity, yeah, well. right, to get it back. And uh, Godro, right? I mean, this is the thing since the World Juniors, Godro's been lights out. And there's those nights where it's just like, look out, right? Like, where it's like, what do we got to do? Like, you know, we can throw out every puck that now we can get to the net, we can do everything you ask out of us on the coaching staff, but it just doesn't work. He's just so good. Um, he's one of the biggest game changers in our league. And uh, just because that way you can steal a game. And we really haven't saw this since what? Uka Pekka Lukanen, Michael, um, Michael DiPietro, Tyler Parsons. I mean, Gojo's right in that category of the elite winning goaltenders in this league. And we are most definitely seeing that right now. I mean, Sarnia could have won game one. They could have won game two, right? And uh, Or Saginaw. Um, they were right. They were in every game, but uh, just couldn't find a way. I mean, the shots and the start for Saginaw wasn't good enough in game two. I mean, you get out shot fifteen to four after one, and you're only losing one nothing. So Lennox brought it as well. Yes. Um, he kept him in that game. He kept him in that game. The fact that it was only one nothing after one shocked me because when you're watching the shots and you're looking at the play, I mean, starting was just all over Saginaw. So mm-hmm. uh, Saginaw, they're holding on. They're holding on. And I think Saginaw win a game. Um, I think they'll win a game at home, so we'll see what happens. But, I mean, they need Lennox to keep playing good. They just need to find that timely scoring. I mean, with the line changes and stuff. And you guys got to hope you can squeak one by Gojo, right? Maybe you score one. Next thing you know, he scores two. You can score two on him. So, that's the one thing that I look for. I mean, maybe they'll come in bunches with him. But right now, he's feeling it. And uh, he's seeing it well. And, you no, know, that's a good feeling, right, when you're feeling it in that. Where it doesn't matter if you screen me, you, tear, you get deflections on me. Um, you try to get rebounds on me. I'm just going to keep him in the corner, um, put him in the mash. But uh, just when you're feeling it like that, it feels good to go to the rink. So you just got to find a way to just get a get a, get a a weird goal and then all of a sudden get some bounces, generate some bounces for yourself if you're stagging all. But good series, um, very good series, very quick, um, good pace. All four series have been very quick. And, I mean, I really like the Ottawa-Peterborough series 
I mean, North Bay and Barry too, there's a lot of feistiness going on there as well. Um, but very good hockey so far in these first four series. I mean, the London Kitchener series has been dramatic on and off the ice, but the scores haven't been dramatic, but they've been dramatically different, but mm-hmm. they really haven't been uh, dramatic on the ice too much in the score um, department. So yeah. it's been good though. Good hockey so far in these series. We've been very lucky. Yeah. And one final note on this, uh, on Benjamin Godreau, we're looking at back-to-back shutouts, if not for a goal scored by Sapavalov with 40 seconds left. Um, I mean, I mean, we're talking that close to back-to-back shutouts for Benjamin yeah. Gojo, right? And, and the shot yeah. totals after 40 minutes. Yeah. And like you said, you're wondering how Saginaw was in this game, only down by one goal, right? 29 to 12, the shots after 40 minutes of play. Saginaw able to turn it up in that third period with 17 of their own, of course, before following falling in overtime to the sting. But uh, yeah, it kind of does seem like Saginaw is hanging on by a thread, right? It kind of seems like, you know, Sarnia has been the driving force of the series and a lot of, in a lot of this series, I should say, albeit close scores, of course, but um, you know, that just kind of shows you essentially what Sarnia went out and did um, throughout the year at the trade deadline, what they developed throughout the entire year. Whereas Saginaw, you know, kind of did the opposite. You're looking at a team that quote unquote sold, although didn't make whole heck of a lot of moves. I mean, Bloom um, gets moved out. You're looking at Minchikov getting moved out as well, but um, you know, it's st- still hate. a team that, that, that deserves to be in the position. Sure hate's a big one. Yeah. Hate. Absolutely. Um, and just, just really a team that's building towards a Memorial cup next year. That's what you look at it. If you're the Saginaw spirit, if Saginaw fans out there, well, what an experience. Uh, yeah. We talk after game four and they get swept. Okay. Learning experience against the Sarnia team. That was very good. You host the Memorial cup next year, whether you win the OHL championship or not finally will be with the three best or the three other teams from across Canada um, competing for the best, uh, the best championship in my opinion. Well, you're in so, Yeah. Toughest to win. Absolutely, you're in the final eight as well. You're in the final eight as well in the Ontario Hockey League. That's a, that's quite the accomplishment. I mean, they're not done by any standards. They got to win a game at home, though. They mm-hmm. have to win. Um, they might have to win both at home because the hive's been tough. I mean, Sarnia's bringing the noise. I mean, you know the Dorn's going to do it as well. You know yeah. Saginaw's going to be loud, sure. but uh, especially after the Mem Cup announcement, right? You know it's going to be loud. There's a lot of mm-hmm. excitement in the area, and uh, it'll be exciting to see what happens there for sure. We'll go to the east. Each series tied at one, and we will start with Ottawa mm-hmm. and Peterborough. Game number one, four to two, the final score. Um, two two Good after forty games. minutes, though. Um, absolutely, you're looking at uh, Peterborough Pete's team that have has found their game and gotten hot at the right time. Um, you know, a squad that didn't have the best stretch in the second half of the season following the trade deadline, but showing that who cares as long as you get in, right? Sort of that. Um, that Tampa Bay Lightning mentality, say like, who cares where we get in? If we get in, that's all we need. That's all we need to to push ourselves forward and, and move throughout the playoffs. Yeah. And that's exactly what we're seeing from Peterborough through a sweep in round one, and now here in round two against the number one seeded Ottawa 67s. Although minus the four two loss in game one, where they were outshot thirty six to twenty four, and only having three shots in the final 20 minutes. Yeah. Face-offs were good, though. Very heavily favoring uh, the Peterborough Peets. And I was looking at this category maybe a little bit more than uh, some others Possession. that people look at. Um, 
they win 32 faceoffs. Ottawa wins 18. So um, chalk that up for a, yeah. for a plus on the Peterborough side. And then you, you win a close one, 2-1 in game number two, heading home. Um, you know, you get 11 shots in the first, 13 in the second, only five in the third, but you limit the 67s to only three Tying. in the final 20 minutes. Yeah, that that game was really good. Um, that one there, that third period was so tight. Um, the hot, the play. I mean, there was no room. It was like overtime. I mean, in the third period, it was great hockey to watch. I mean, all four, all four series have been great hockey to watch. But yeah, that third period on Sunday afternoon, it was like no one's got any space. No one's got any space. You're gonna have to grind it out. Um, Peterborough is content. You know, we hey, we're in a good spot right now. We're up two nothing. I mean. Tolnai gets one late, but or Matier gets one late from Tolnai, but great, uh, great hockey game. That was a that was a really good third period. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of the prototypical playoff hockey, right? We're not going to give up space, and mm-hmm. we're up two. We want to play this tight defensively. And then Michael Simpson played well as well on Sunday, as we've said all year about Michael Simpson. I mean, you knew he was going to have a big playoff after what we saw throughout last year and this year. You knew he was going to have a big season, and um, no surprise, but. What a hockey game and what a series that's been. I mean, it's been so tight. Um, there's no room. And I mean, there's no room, like there's no fancy well, goals so, anymore. So and Colin, I wanna, Colin, I want to ask you this as we go throughout this series, and I, you'll probably make some points here about Ottawa, of course, but for, for Peterborough, uh, a common theme that we've talked about throughout the the last half of the season into the playoffs. Yeah, the Pete's ability to play without the puck. In your opinion, mm. through six games in the playoffs. Wow. Has it improved? Absolutely. And, I mean, Rob Wilson's staff definitely went to work there in Peterborough, right? I mean, you go in the playoffs and that mindset's changed. But here's the thing. And here, um, here's my point here that I want to say about those players. The big thing is Gavin White's played massive on the back end for them in this so two far in the playoffs. In game two for him. Exactly. Him, Avery Hayes. Those guys have won before. Those guys know what it takes to win. I mean, last year that Hamilton team was loaded. I mean, Mason McTavish, um, Ryan Winterton on that second line. Like, <laughs> that's how good they were. Um, and then you look in the then you look at the other side and Ottawa side with Dave Cameron. You know what Ottawa's going to do? Dave Cameron's staff is going to be tight defensively. They're not going to give up a lot of chances, and they're just going to out system you. They're going to be and they're such a thorn to play against. And it's probably the reason why Ottawa was so competitive all year and so good because they're so hard to play against because they don't give up a lot of space. The Ottawa 67s are like playing the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes. When you watch the Carolina Hurricanes play, they don't give up a lot of space, but they can just frustrate you game in and game out. And that's what the Ottawa 67s do. So the attention to detail from Rob Wilson, staff, and Peterborough, you got to stress that because it's forced Ottawa's system is almost forcing Peterborough to play non-selfish hockey where you have to or you're going to be going home quickly because that's how good the 67s are. And the attention to details, in the playoffs, they're so like the margin for error is so small, and it's just you're so engaged, right, to the details of the game where it's like you know I got to get hard on the forecheck, I got to be in this spot. Um, if I'm the F one, I got to be here at a certain time. You know, it's all it's all like air traffic control. <laughs> you got to be in the right spots at the right time. Um, you have to make sure the details are there because if you're out of position, you're going to get burned, and you don't want to be that guy on social media who looks stupid. Quite frankly. Um, not to, I know I could have used a better wordage there, but quite frankly, you're not going to look great. You're not going to look smart um, in the playoffs when you're in a position. So it's just attention to details are there. Um, they're playing as a unit. 
almost as if Rob Wilson and staff said, all right, we, we know we're going to make the playoffs. Let's just get in. Let's just get in. And quite frankly, one through four, Reese, and you see this every year, teams want one to four in each conference. What's the difference? What is the difference this year? What is the difference between one and four in the East? What is the difference between one and four in the West? You know, you look at the West. You look at the Western Conference. You look at the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference, Ottawa was a wagon. North Bay was a wagon. Barry has the best defenseman in the league. Um, and Peterborough was a wagon. Look at Peterborough's roster. Those are the yeah, four, those are the four say, teams in the East. You'd easily say you North Bay's got the best goaltender. Yeah. Even chances. Yeah. Then Michael Simpson's no slouch as well. Yeah, Michael also Simpson so right strong. behind him. Absolutely. Like, so, and then you look at the West. Then you look at the West, right? Kitchener was your not your prototypical eight seed. Was definitely not your prototypical no. eight seed in the Kitchener Rangers. Um, London is London. Sarnia is Sarnia. Saginaw, Saginaw was in first place halfway through the year. Like, this is, like, the playoffs, you know, every team. So, I just think Peterborough is like, all right, so do we just play it? Do we just play our game? All we got to do, we know we're going to play a good team in the second round anyways. We know we're a second-round team. So do we let the players play, adapt to the system? Because the amount of moves the beat's made, it's hard to implicate in the system when you see all they have. Then all of a sudden, it's slowly transition. Our time is the playoffs. We know we're making the playoffs. We know we know we can beat any one of those four teams that we're going to play in the East. And if we make that out of our conference, we we know we can win the OHL championship. He's got to make it out of your conference first. And sometimes that's the toughest. And as you can mentioned, Reese, I mean, growing up a lot of Knights fan in 2018, getting reverse swept to the Gulf Storm, and then Niagara with Oshawa. Anything can happen. Anything can happen in the second round. The second round's a wild, wild west for a reason. The second round is where the – sometimes to make it out of that second round, that's where you're going to win or not. You know, because there's a lot of t- good teams where it's like that team would have won. That team could have won, but they just lost in the second round. Where if that team can get through the second round, they might win it. If the Peterborough Peets get through the second round, most definitely you're thinking they could win the OHL championship 100%. This is the round. This is the round for them where it's like if they get through, it's similar to Kitchener in the West, where if they get through, okay, I believe. But you got to get through that spot. And I just think that Rob Wilson, Stab Michael Oak, where it's like, we we know what we have here. We got we know what we brought in. You know, Brendan Offen went to an OHL conference final last year, game seven against the Winter Spitfires. We know what Owen Mac is. We know what we brought in. Avery Hayes, Gavin White, they've won. We know those guys. Those are that's that's their core. You're bringing in guys who you're playing with there and Roberts and Avon. You know, you know your group there. Let's just get them to gel. All of a sudden the right time to get in the playoffs, and we're not afraid of any team. And that's what, kind of what I'm seeing here. In the playoffs, the Peterborough Peach, where all of a sudden you're seeing them play tighter hockey, you're playing, you're seeing them play more together, you're seeing more togetherness. And that's why I wouldn't be surprised if the Peterborough Peach win this series. Um, in a week's time, it'll be very interesting to see how we talk about this series. Yeah, um, it'll be very interesting to see. I'm very intrigued by this series. I think this is the most intriguing series that the Eastern Conference in general, I think, yes, are the more absolutely. intriguing series. No question. No yeah. question about it. Well, and that's what's that's what's been nice to see so far throughout this second round is. It, it I it's automatically already through two, three games for that Windsor or for that Kitchener London series. Uh, it's already better than last year's second round. I would say we're looking, you know, last year's playoffs, Windsor takes care of Kitchener in five. Windsor dominated that series. Um, Flint and Sioux, Flint yeah, wins in five. Flint won that series by a lot. 
Hamilton, yeah. yeah, that was a sweep against Mississauga. Thanks for coming out. Um, and then North Bay over Kingston, four to one. North Bay was better throughout. Yeah. Entire series. So yeah, and and then you go and to this year. There's going to be at least two. Yeah, this year's already been better. It's already been more competitive, despite there being a two nothing series lead for Sarnia and Saginaw. What not winning a game yet? Like you said, I do think they get one. Oh my! I, I had them in six, possibly five. You had them had the Sarnia Sting in five, but that's we're still seeing Saginaw get a game. We're still seeing Saginaw be in the series. Yeah. Um, whereas at times last wow, year, you kind of expected right away who was going to come out of the second round and move to the conference finals. So, um, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. That, that's going to roll right into the last series we're going to look at here, Colin. North Bay and Barry. <laughs> uh, again, another series that's tied at one in the Eastern Conference. And game one ends in overtime. Uh, the Barry Colts win on the road in overtime, oh. three to two. North Bay answers with a 5 2 victory in game number two, heading. Uh, to Sadlon Arena in Barrie on Tuesday. Um, just, well, just, it seems like another classic second-round series um, in the Eastern Conference. Very to- close, very tight. Two head coaches that do not get their players out of their system very often. Um, where where yeah. they trust their coaches, they it's stick tight. to what they know, and yeah. you know they understand what they're trying to do. You can tell every team, every team that, you know, some things about the OHL and the teams, you can get repetitive of the teams that are in the second round. The second round for the teams is when the playoffs starts. This is when the playoffs starts. And there's no pretenders now in the second round. No. And when you look at it, you look at all the coaches, right? You look at the coaches around, and you're thinking, well, that guy's got a good track record. That guy's good. That guy's got a good system. That guy's got a good system. That guy's got a good system. And you think about the teams that are no good. Think about the teams this year that were no good. What was their system? What are, what are, what are they? Right? What's this team? So you look at, you look at the difference, right? Right? Like you look at the difference, and that's that's one of the big things. More consistency, and the North Bay Barry series has been great. Um, it's gonna go deep. Uh, I wasn't too happy in game one there. Um, see, and you know, seeing it last week, I just think seeing it with Hamilton being with the Bulldogs, or you, you see that with the Brant Clark situation there, um, getting. Like waving at the crowd after, like after you score a goal, blowing North Bay fans a kiss after game one, after scoring a goal is kind of a little bit ridiculous to me. Um, I wasn't a big fan of that. I just think you're a better hockey player than that. You know, you're gonna get it. Um, you played in, for the LA Kings this year in the NHL. You're going to get it. I just think you know you're you're the, you're a captain of an OHL team, and I mean, I think I think if you're Marty Williams and you kind of have a talk there, you know, hey, I know there's a lot of emotion right now in the playoffs, but you're better than that. Um, and I think the more frustrating thing is when you don't react. I think that's more frustrating to the fans. But nevertheless, Barry's just Barry's a strong team. Um, Anson Thornton's played great because game one, quite frankly, the North Bay Battalion should have won that game. 41-30 the shots. Um, dominated Barry in the first two periods. And then Barry found their footing and uh, struck back. And uh, good hockey, good, very good series there. And, I mean, it's kind of like what you expected, right? And Barry, I thought, played really good on Sunday. Um, good enough to win, but they lose 5-2. Uh, Shot selection, puck possession. They had the puck, I thought. They were um, producing it well. They were producing chances as well, which I really enjoyed watching that game. Um, and, you know, Barry, Barry's a strong team. Um, and, Reese, I know you like the face-off. But look at the face-offs on uh, Sunday in game two. You look at the face-off chart in that game. You won the special teams battle. Then you look at the face-offs, 36-21 in favor of Barry. Um, mm-hmm. 
Barry, Barry should have won that game. That game, 34-28 the shots, two for three on the power play, 36-21 to 21 the face shots in favor of Barry. All three categories with the score. Yeah. So you win this – not too often you're going to lose those games. If you're Marty Williamson, all right, we're tied at one, we're going back home. What, what's the – you know, we played mm-hmm. better than what the score was. You know, the first period wasn't great. You give up three. Um, you take that out, you win the hockey game. So I look at that one and I'm thinking, well, you chalk it up. Um, you learn you learn a lot in those games, right? It's gonna be frustrating, but uh most definitely it's not um most nights when you have that many power when you're that much better on special teams than the other team and you out shoot the team like that and you out face off them and you have the puck, um most definitely you should win those games. So there's a, yeah. there's pros and cons to that game for sure. You learned a lot though from that game because it's frustrating. You tell your players, right? You know, we look at the stat lines. I mean, the play, the coaches look at the stat lines after every game on the bus ride home. And when you're looking at the stat line, you know, you think about this. You know, you just eliminate the first period. You win that hockey game. So, uh, they scored the first goal as well. Um, shout out to Bo Gelsman, 43 seconds in. Show guest, not a big deal. And it was nice to talk to Bo after the Hamilton Berry series. Um, great guy. Hopefully, he gets picked up this uh, summer by an NHL team. He most definitely deserves it. And, um Definitely be watching for his name closely at the NHL draft because I uh, really hope to see him called. Really good guy. He's going to lose or sandbagger, but good yes, guy. big time, yeah. Um, yeah, game – I still am I'm amazed by game one. North Bay goes up 2 nothing in the second period. Yeah. Um, you know, Barry scores midway through. At home too. Yeah, and he, after 40 minutes, shots on goal are 30-14 to 14 for North Bay. I mean, special teams, sure, they played a factor. Maybe, not really. 0 for 6 with the Colts. North Bay, 1 for 5. Um, you know, the only two shots in overtime coming um, in favor of the of the Colts, them scoring so early, uh, a minute 49 uh, into overtime, Josh, Josh Kavanaugh uh, with that goal. So, um, 1-1 in that series. 1-1 Ottawa-Peterborough. 2-0 Sarnia over Saginaw. And then the London Knights up two to one over Kitchener. That is our look around round two. Now we look ahead to round one and beyond of the 2023 OHL priority selection. That is next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Final segment before we wrap up the show, but it's going to be a very exciting one as we head into the 2023 OHL priority selection coming up this weekend, Friday night, of course, round number one, which will be live uh, streamed, live streamed, I should say, um, right through. And then, of course, um, rounds two into the beyond. Are, uh, are on Saturday. So um, that should be very exciting. A lot of young men going to have uh, have uh, their dreams come true, at least step one to having their dreams come true uh, to get drafted yeah. into the Ontario Hockey League. So we will go through every team's need um, heading into next season, um, going from bottom to top. So starting with Niagara, finishing with Ottawa. Hey. Well, I'm Draft going. I'm going based off the standings. Standings. I'm going based off okay. the standings. Okay. I know Erie picks one. 
Um, Niagara's like Detroit. No, 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 you don't no, win no, lotteries. Yeah. But um, yeah, before we do that, Colin Ward has a trade to announce. And of course, no players yeah, are Monday allowed night. to be involved. Um, it's just picks as there is a small trade window open um, as we speak. But uh, what is that Started, trade? Yeah. What What is involved in that trade? Yeah, four picks, three going one way, one going the other. Um, it's one of those trades where the window opens, right? The trade picks, jockeying for draft position. And this week, you'll see a lot of second round picks being moved. Teams trying to get into a certain round. They like a player in the second round. They thought they could get him in the third or fourth, but they're not going to be able to get him in the third or fourth. They'll have to trade up for the second. And that's what the Kitchener Rangers did with the second off spirit. Um, Kitchener, Kitchener acquired a 2023 second round pick by the North, the North Bay Battalion pick. So late second round, but there's definitely a player that Mike McKenzie has his eyes on. And um, that's what they wanted to do. So it'll be interesting to see who that pick is. But right now, with the jockeying in position, um, that's kind of what you're seeing right now. You're going to see a lot more trades happen. I mean, I would just see another trade follow up um, on that deal for sure. And then going to Saginaw, fourth round pick in 2025, a Sudbury pick, that is. Uh, Mississauga, fourth round pick in 2026, and a London, fifth round pick in 2023. So wouldn't be surprised to see more moves being made. That kind of sets a standard. I mean, I feel we're going to see a little bit more moves here before Thursday and before the Erie Otters make their pick yeah. um, to kind of showcase the draft because that's who you're going to kind of know. That's where you're going to start to see the dominoes fall here in the draft and to see who's going to go where. Once the first pick goes in, you start to get ideas who's going to go where. It starts to become predictable. Mm-hmm. But once that first pick happens, I mean, there's going to be a lot of jockeying for positioning and who goes where. But most definitely, that's kind of the vibes that I'm getting right now that there's going to be a lot of moves here going into – draft day and basically draft day starts on Thursday with theory otters announcing that they are going to make the pick on Thursday. So yes. as usual. And I like that, you know, I really like how the team makes their pick the night before. It's a big deal to go number one in the draft and the OHL is 15 rounds. There's a lot of players to pick from. Um, I like that other number one pick goes the day before. Mm-hmm. I enjoy that. Um, I used to, I really enjoy too when the players are actually at the draft and the interviews and stuff on draft day. I really enjoy that as well. But most definitely, I'm excited to see what happens. I really enjoy that yeah. um, when you see guys go and they're actually at the buildings. Yeah, facilities. absolutely. Absolutely. I still look back on Ty Nelson's introduction to North Bay. I thought they did a really good job on that one. Um, yeah. And for Ty Especially himself, during the circumstances. It's, it's, yeah, absolutely. Um, and to, to have Ty on the show after he gets drafted and to see what he's done in the OHL, um, that's pretty freaking cool. So. Yeah. Um, all right, we will we will look at the needs for each team coming into the draft, heading in to next season. And this is numerical order 20 to 1 in the regular season. So Niagara picks two, but we'll look at them first. Erie picks one, we'll look at them second. Um, so let's start with Niagara. We'll do about maybe a minute or two on each team, Colin, just so we're not yep. here for another hour because we could be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, the Niagara Ice yeah, Dogs. Yeah, a lot need. of excitement comes into this day. Yeah, when this, for the ice for the ice this, dogs, they... the next two shows. Sorry, the next two shows, Reese. This is like thirty-two weeks in the making. There's a long season that happens, and this is exciting times. You wait a long time for this. This has been happening since September. You like you get ready for this show. Mm-hmm. So the next two shows, so it's exciting times for sure. And yeah, the Ice Dogs. Um. Yeah, well, two two everything? picks in the yeah two picks in the top five. Um, the defense, you know. goals, um, yeah. the system, um, 
Everything. Flores is a good goalie, so I'm not going to say yeah. goaltending. They have the goaltending. Um, yeah. Yeah. Take take your pick, Colin. I mean, anything we could say right now is a need for Niagara. Whoever doesn't go one. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You know what the ice dogs need? They need consistency. So what's consistency? You gotta set up you gotta set a standard for the culture. They need to make a pick here who's going to commit a one, and they need someone that comes in with a work mentality who wants to be an ice dog. They need that. They need a standard. Quite frankly, mm-hmm. they need a standard, they need consistency, they need a they need something. They need somebody that's competitive and be a standard. Um, not a knock, not a knock at all, and the circumstances at all. But they pick second overall in the tight Allison draft draft the panel Femus. That did not turn out for the Ice Dogs. And it's not his fault at all. It is not his fault at all. He's a heck of a hockey player. He's the ear. He's got a hell of a player there. But the pro- problem is, what has he had? He's had no help at all. Um, and this is a, this is a massive pick for that front office. The, the second and five are the most – this might be the biggest draft in Ice Dogs history that since they've been in Niagara. This has to be. Because if they don't, if they don't have a good draft, and there's question marks going into camp, I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a terrible year next year. Yeah. If they, if this draft's bad, they're not going to be good next year. Um, you're not going to expect it to be different. Um, what's changed? Nothing. So you don't expect them to be good. So, um, so, so do we look at what Ottawa did a couple of years ago or a few years ago with Stutzla and Sanderson? Are we looking at a forward and a defenseman? I'm you thinking know, whether you know, it be honestly, two or five. Like, are we looking at two forwards? I don't think you can take two defensemen if you're the Ice Dogs. Because um, well, you do need somebody to score, even though you'll be bringing a rookie you know into the into the fold. But what what are we looking at here, um, pick wise at well, least positionally? But the, well, by the sounds of it, if it's if Schaefer goes one, which I think he should, I think he's the best player in the draft. I I love Matthew Schaefer's game. I think I've been on him since October, November. I mean, Schaefer and Hopkins have like I like those two since day one. Um, on that Halton Hurricanes team and. uh I honestly, if she, I believe Schaefer will go one to Erie. So if Schaefer goes one to Erie, I think you got to go Brady Martin. I think they'll go Ryan Rubrick. I think Rubrick's going to go. Um, by all sounds, I mean, you hear on the Ice Dogs talk and you hear during the intermissions and stuff, you've heard your general manager, Darren Adobler, say that they've taught, they've had talks with their player that they like. Um, they're going to get commitment. They're not worried about commitment. So here we go. Let's see it, right? Yeah. I think that means they're, I think that means that when you read between the lines, and Darren's an open guy. Darren, we've had Darren on the show. Um, he's an open guy. He'll tell you. Um, I believe that that's their pick, Ryan Rubrick. I think that's who they're going to take. And that's, you know, that's a gutsy pick, right? It's a mm-hmm. gutsy pick. But I believe he is the second best player in the draft. Um, it's not a bad pick. It's a great pick. Um, quite frankly, I saw Ryan Rubrick score a goal on Friday in a ter- – in a set. they were down 7 nothing at the time. I saw him go end-to-end and score a nice goal. Highlight real goal. No celebration. Obviously, you're down seven nothing. Um, but I saw him competing there down. There was a moment in the third period, Reese, where they were losing like with well, junior nights, you're losing five, six nothing. And where I honestly thought there was only one player playing, and it was Ryan Rubrick. And that was a good sign to me. That was a really good sign to me, um, to see that. So I think that the ice dogs will take Rubrick at two. Um and I think it's a good pick. I mean, he's a quiet kid. Um, the vibes I give it, serious kid. I like in the top three, I believe will be Schaefer, Martin, Rubric. I don't know if it'll be, it, it won't be in that order, but I really like Brady Martin as well. I, I mean, if I was picking, I'd take Brady Martin, but I think they'll take Ryan Rubric on uh, too. Uh, all right, the Erie Otters, Colin. Um, 
they could use <laughs> a lot too. Like they get the first yeah. overall pick. We'll find out about it Thursday. Oh. Um, you think it'll be Schaefer? I, I'm in agreement with you. Um, so is that their main concern? Is defense and well, build looking, out? Is that what Brownie's looking? Well, at? I think. Well, I think Silva's going to have a massive year next year on the back end. And I look at the, I look at what they did at the deadline. Right, they added Panofimus, which is very odd. Right? Why are you adding a set? Right? We thought that was very weird when they when you saw Panel Femus to Erie. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of odd. You knew Panel was going to – you know Femus was going to be on the move, but you didn't think it was going to be to Erie. Um, quite frankly, you were thinking a team like Windsor, who Niagara Windsor's already made a lot of the moves, a team like Kitchener, London, um, team in the West, right? And you saw London and, Kitch- and Niagara make a lot of moves this year. You saw Kitchener and Niagara make moves this year. So you probably right, thought maybe a team like that or Guelph, a team that could be good next year as well. Um Maybe add a little flyer there, spend a little bit more, but you'd be getting possibly sagging as well. There's a lot of options there, but the fact that the Otters went out and got got the big fish for that in that market because I believe there was a big market for panel females when you look at about the teams that could use them. So yeah. the Otters, the Otters to me, um, they got their centers. They have, they're deep up front, um, but I I believe you can never be too deep up front. Never be too deep anywhere. I mean, depth is so big. I think they'll take Schaefer. Have that defenseman, that cornerstone defenseman for a long time there in Erie. They really haven't had that much since Drysdale, right? They had Drysdale, Silva's there, Kyrou was there. He got moved to he got moved to Sarnia. So you look at the moves, right? And you're thinking, well, that'd be perfect, right? Schaefer comes in, you get they get the next Drysdale back, right? And you got Drysdale, and I believe Schaefer's right there. I love Matthew Schaefer's game. Um, he's so smooth. And so effective. I mean, he just changes the games. And I said that about Sam Dickinson last year, how Sam Dickinson just changed games. And that's what Matthew Schaefer does. He's a game changer. He's getting the bat. He's getting his own end. He gets pucks out. He's consistent. Never in a bad spot. He's always in good positioning, which is huge as a defenseman. You're not going to worry about him running around. When he gets the puck, the game slows down. It's his game. And I love that. When a defenseman controls the play, it's that, you know, that's, that's what you want out of a defenseman, right? That can control the game, slows the game down. That's what Matthew Schaefer does. And I'm very excited to see any at Team Ontario um, as well there at the Winter Games. I mean, his game just took off. Matthew Schaefer, um, his game just took right off. So I'm excited to see what he does in Erie. And I believe he'll go to Erie. But uh, most definitely he's a top three pick. Yeah, four points in four games in the OHL Cup with Halton. Um, standing 6'1", weighing 161, uh, left-handed um, defenseman. All right, to number three uh, on our list, at least, um, and in the draft, the Sioux yeah. Greyhounds. I, I mean, all four of these teams could use a little bit of everything, <laughs> um, but but yeah. in your eyes, if you have Schaefer going one to Erie, we're looking at rubric probably two to Niagara. Rubric slash Martin. Yeah, like are we looking at interchanging well, picks to, there more than likely? Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. I think whoever doesn't go two, I think I have a feeling that Rubric's going to go two to Niagara, um, knowing Darren and knowing what the, what, he's, what he is and what he does. Um, I would, why wouldn't you, right? Like we saw, why wouldn't you do that? Why wouldn't you go after Rubric? Rubric was the biggest name all year. Um, why wouldn't you do that? Me, pers- me personally, I'd go after Brady Martin. I love his game. Um, he's just a workhorse. I mean, the rec- um, the record there in Kitchener, Josh Brown had a very good article on Monday afternoon with uh, Brady Martin as well, about cattle farmers in Waterloo area. Um, hardworking, hardworking player. I think, you know, if I'm Niagara, that's why I take him at two. I love, I love his game. He's a winner. He wants to win. And uh, the Sioux Greyhounds will take either Rubric or Martin. Whoever doesn't go. 
at two, we'll go three. Um, mm-hmm. In in this case, my gut says Brady Martin will be a Sue Greyhound, and that's a perfect pick. I'm t- like, it makes sense to see Rubric and Sue because, um, you know, he has that connections there with the McConnell Barkers playing last year with um, McConnell Barker as well on that Junior Knights team as Rubric was player on that Junior Knights team. So it makes sense, Sue. But Martin or uh, Rubric will go to Sue, and Martin will be so good in Sue. Um, he's a winner, and that's kind of what Sue needs, right? Sue needs that, ex- you know, behind Bryce McConnell Barker. Then you get then you get that second guy to come up after McConnell Barker, and it really adds to get some depth um, for that team. And I think two years from now, I mean, Martin could be one of the top scorers in this league. Uh, very, you know, what he reminds me of Logan Morrison, um, better skater than Morrison, but the guy, the guy, just when he's out on the ice, you know, he's out on the ice, and um, what he does, he's so he's just spectacular. I mean, you watch him play; it's a treat to watch him play. You get excited to watch him play. So I'm excited to see what he can do in the, for the Sioux Greyhound. On to the Kingston Frontenacs, the fourth and final team uh, to not make the playoffs. They were one of two teams in the Ontario Hockey League to score less than 200 goals. Of course, that other team being the Niagara Ice Dogs, both teams scoring 199 goals this past season. What is their main need heading into the next season and the future, Colin? Yeah, you know, this team, this team, you know, they needed goal scoring this year, but they had a lot of injuries. And I, when I look at this team, I think, I'm thinking they need defense, right? You look at their team and you don't see a lot of defensemen there. You don't see a team, you know, you don't see that only one defensive defenseman you could say, and that's Ben Roger mm-hmm. last year. You know, you don't, what team, what player do you think is a defensive defenseman on that team? And, you know, it's hard to find that in the first round. I think they'll do that in the draft. I think in the second round, they'll in the defenseman. I think in the first round, they're going to go Tyler Hopkins. Um, playing with the Kil- Hamilton Kilty Bees right now at the Halton Hurricanes uh, U16 program. He had 69 points in 31 games this year, 37 goals. You know, you didn't score a lot of goals. What do you want to do? You want to draft goal scoring. So 37 goals in 31 games will definitely take that. 69 points in 31 games as well. And he's on pace to win a Sutherland Cup right now with the Hamilton Kilty Bees. They're all split in the GOJHL um, Sutherland Cup round robin before that seven-game series starts between two the two, two teams that make it out. But most definitely Tyler Hopkins, for me, goes to Kingston in the fourth spot. The knee goal scoring, I know they didn't have many defensive defense. When you look at that team, you don't see a defensive defenseman. But that's what, that's what I kind of get there. Yeah, this draft being very forward heavy, at least in round one anyways. We're looking at Matthew Schaefer on D. And then at least, at least elite prospects-wise, uh, everybody else has their own rankings. Um, yeah. Uh, other than Schaefer... Uh, and Bristavich, I should say. Um, yeah, Bristavich would go high. Ten. Um, He'll go higher than people say. I think He'll so. He'll go higher than what that list says because the defense, the demand for defense, right? If you need it, you're going to get it. Um, and every year you see a defenseman go higher than what they, you would think they yeah, would. Absolutely. Um, all right, to the playoff teams, the Oshawa Generals. What are we looking at yeah. here, Colin? They were able to get into the playoffs. They were able to outlast the Kingston Frontenacs. Um, they'll be coming into next season with a drafted Callum Ritchie. Um, they're going to have their goaltender set um, in, in yeah. Jacob Oster. Uh, what are we looking at for the Generals? What can they use to build towards going after a championship in the future? Yeah, you know, this is tough because – the five spot, the Niagara Ice Dogs with the um, compensation pick. Yep. 
what do you do there? Um, do you take the shot on William Moore? I don't think he'll go to Niagara, but do you take that shot? But nevertheless, I think that Niagara should take Owen Griffin. But if Owen Griffin's there at the five spot for the Oshawa Generals, you have to take at the six spot. You have to take him. Um, that's a take. That's a run to the podium. And announce your pick. I mean that one. That pick shouldn't take longer than twenty seconds to make. Um, if you're the Oshawa Generals, because ninety four points in 35 games, 51 goals reached this year for the York Simcoe Express on a loaded York Simcoe Express team. Um, good good team they were. And um, I think they're running to the podium to announce Owen Griffin. If you're the Oshawa Generals, he's available at the sixth spot. You have to do it. Uh, Mississauga Steelheads, 10 points ahead of Oshawa. We're looking at such a big gap between the 15 and 16 spot um, yeah, you, in the overall standings. Player-wise, um, not as much either. Yeah, yeah. We're looking at Team James Richmond was able to get the club to buy in. That message to the young guys saying, we've told the rest of the league we are selling and we are um, building towards the future. We're not expected to compete this year. But go out and show the rest of the league what exactly we will be when we are experienced, mm-hmm. when we're fully healthy, when we um, do not have a goaltender that's 16 years old, despite Leander's looking very good at a lot mm-hmm. of points of this season. Um, and they did that. Another positive team, like the next team we'll talk about, Hamilton, who, who, is, who is pretty good after the trade deadline. So um, if yeah. you're Mississauga, you've got your goalie of the future. Um, I think you've got a nice young your core forwards. to build around. Um, you look at Lucas Carmiris, you expect him to take a bigger role and a big step up next year, of course, um, being a little bit hidden behind all the stars that they had earlier on in the year. Um, so so what do they look at? What are the Steelheads looking at, at least in round one? Yeah, you know, I think you're looking in your own backyard with the Toronto Junior Canadians team, Reese. You're looking at Luca Romano, Jake O'Brien, and then from uh, Napanee, Quinn Bushing. Um from Napanee, U18, big defenseman. I think that's kind of your placement for Dalmaster, right? You look at this team, you see what they are up front. You have a good young forward. You look at their deadline, the players they acquired for their talent that they gave up. They acquired young forwards, Martone. Um, they got some good young guys there from Sarnia and Peterborough. So you look at that, right? Let's think about defense then, right? And here's your chance. I think they take uh, Bouchine out of uh, Napanee. Um, hopefully I didn't botch his name too bad, but um, – Good hockey player there. A um, lot of points for a defenseman. 35 points in 28 games. Controls the play every time he's out there. He played a game in the CCHL this year with uh, the Napa 9 uh, Raiders. One point in that game as well. Uh, 5'11", 159, but he's going to fill out. You look at him and you see the broad shoulders there. And um, I think that'll be Mississauga's pick. Kind of replaced Del Mastro. Um for the future. And I think he's a future star in this league. And I think that's your second best defenseman on the board. And I think that's where he goes, because if not, I think you're looking at the team behind the Hamilton Bulldogs, but that would likely take a defenseman when you look at what they've acquired this year as well at the deadline. Yeah. Hamilton Bulldogs over 500 team following an OHL championship. Sahil Panwar, the only, only man graduating out, although tough to expect Artem Grushnikov back. That would be a blessing um, if the Dallas Stars sent him back to the Ontario Hockey League, but you really don't expect yeah. them to do so. Um, so so you're you're looking to add to the young core that they have. Uh, Nick Lardis will be a drafted player. Um, we're looking at the supporting cast of, of Patrick Thomas, Cole Brown, 
Um, Florian yeah, Jack is going to be There's... coming back uh, a lot stronger. I'm expecting to Adrian be Adrian Rabello. Um, just as physical. Yeah, Adrian Rabello. We're looking at Noah Nelson, um, Luca Testa, uh, who they acquired from the London Knights, right? So you're really looking. Yeah. Not for the centerpiece of what you're going to have for the next three to four years, but a very, very, very nice complement of a player. And I mean, if you want to look Bulldogs, you want a big guy, Jack Nesbitt, eighth ranked, according to the prospects out of Lampton Jr. staying 6'4", 174, left-handed shot. Um, I think he could fit the role of that dog mentality that – Okay, we got to stop calling them Hamilton now because they won't be. Brant- but um, who will want to be uh, going to Brantford next year, but keeping that dog mentality around? Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, from it, from like all signs, you know, it sounds like Jack Nesbitt will be the pick for the Bulldogs. I mean, Nesbitt, Nesbitt O'Brien. I mean, O'Brien, a right-handed shot. The Bulldogs def- desperately need a right-handed yes. shot. I mean, somebody did the OHL Cup, six foot tall as well. I mean, six four and Nesbitt's definitely intriguing. I think O'Brien, you're going to get a little bit more skill. Um, but Nesbitt, I would believe, would be the leader. My gut says Nesbitt um, will be the pick for Brant- for the Brantford Bulldogs. And um, I wouldn't be surprised to hear Jake, Jake O'Brien as well in that mix. Um, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting situations here for the Bulldogs. I mean, I tweeted out Friday after I saw the Alliance game. I mean, um, they have a few guys there on the list that are close, but in proximity like to see who's in their list, but who will go where. Um, but Jack Nesbitt most definitely, I think would be the favorite Nesbitt O'Brien, I think one and two for that spot. And I know, um, get off alley strong this year as well. Um, the D- if you don't see the D man go, you'll probably, uh, see a lot of Ottawa Valley guys go to Hamilton in the second round and beyond that or Brantford that is, but most definitely I would see Nesbitt or O'Brien going to Hamilton at eight. Because O'Brien's OHL Cup was massive for him, right? And I know they've had – I know from the games that I've been to, you see – I know Nesbitt was there this year in Brand, or in Hamilton, and uh, they've had interviews. So you can see that happening, uh, and you can see how that plays out for the Bulldogs. Yeah. But most definitely every team's talking to everybody. And, you know, a lot of players missed the Combine this week because they were having interviews with teams. So it's a tough time for the Combine, to be honest. A week before I get it, it's got to be when it is because the OHL Cup and the Alliance playoffs. But it's tough to the Combine when we did because players want to go to interviews, right? The elite, the top 10 picks or the top three picks that we mentioned went at the Combine because, you know, they're with teams, right? They already know where they're going. So it's tough, but it's exciting to see those depth picks, right, to build their draft stock. And one last opportunity, one more opportunity to get out and play in front of scout and talk to teams. So that's huge. And you, just, you see a lot more desperation at the combine. I love it. It's cool to see the desperation out of the kids. But uh, I would say Nesbitt or O'Brien. Uh, the Sudbury Wolves, uh, a team that was able to sneak into that five spot in the Eastern Conference, albeit uh, they were swept in round number one by the Peets. But to be able to get to uh, fifth in the East, I think, says a lot about what uh, what Derek McKenzie is trying to build in Sudbury, what they're trying to accomplish, you know, get back to where they were in 2019 when they were, you know, really, really strong. When you look at Byfield, yeah. um, Lucan and Annette, right? Um, you know, they're gonna have a have a goaltender move out in Kevin Brassard, although they were going to anyways with, with Joe Ranger. But um, when you look at the Sudbury Wolves, what exactly are their needs for next season? 
You know, I was thinking defense, right? I watched this team play, and I was thinking, I mean, I don't know what their defense is. I like Manny is not bad, but you look at past that, who's going to drive the play? Um, you need a Seber Savage go here, one pick before the Kitchener Rangers, you know, because you that's probably the favorite for the Kitchener Rangers to take. Um, yeah, but I could see that's where Savage goes to Sudbury. I could say, see I'm that sure there's a relationship pick. there with Musty, absolutely, Musty. Yeah. yeah, like you can see that being there, right? So, I, I would say that's probably the pick. If not, a good player out of Peterborough up front, William McFadden, who had a really good combine. Um, I think William McFadden would be a really good pick out of the Peterborough Pizza AAA program, 82 points in 36 games, 41 41. Um, the splits clean player as well. 10 penalty minutes, Sudbury. You know, you look at the way they play, they play hard, but it'd be nice to clean that up. Um, McFadden's a really good hockey player, and I think McFadden has really fallen under the radar. I mean, nine points in six games with the OHL Cup as well. I have him on my list at the sixth spot. Um, just the way I see this as we talk and you see the fits, you know, it's different, but he's one of my favorite players in the draft. I love his game, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see McFadden go there if uh, Bruce Savage doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Kitchener Rangers and a situation where <laughs> this draft could be shaping what the Rangers are oh, in thanks. two to three years. Um, yeah. You know, we're looking at a team that fully expected to compete for a championship, go deep in the playoffs, ended up being the eighth seed, but were able to upset the Spitfires. They're now through three games with the Knights in round two. Is this their rebuild class that we are talking about? Yeah, you know, and to speed that up, you know, you look at Brasevich there, who I have going to Sudbury or Kitchener. I think Kitchener goes with Brasevich if he's available at 10, 100%. Yep. But my pick, I have Luca Romano um, from the Toronto Junior Canadians, OHL champion, him or Jake O'Brien going to uh, Kitchener. And that's who I have as your pick. I mean, last year you had a problem with the Junior Canadian players there, but Romano's a heck of a hockey player. And that's who I have them taking if uh, if available. Uh, Owen Sound Attack are next. 73 points on the season, finishing just one higher um, than the Kitchener Rangers. They get swept in round one by the London Knights. Uh, Greg Walters there, of course, would like to build on two straight years where they lose in the first round. Got to get over the hump. Maybe it starts with this class, but, um, you know, Colby Barlow, you would assume would be back. Um, I'd say that's a pretty good shot to happen. So you're looking for a supporting cast, essentially. Yeah, you know, they're going to have a lot of 30-goal scorers next year. You look at this team, I mean, a lot of health problems as well, so you want to build depth. Um, One pick I think that would be good is Cameron Reed, defenseman out of uh, Bishop Kearney, um, out of Elmer, Ontario. I really like his game. 69 points in 75 games this past season. Um, defenseman from the back end, 69 points, 75 games. Most definitely a good year. Um, and it was nice to see them play a little bit this year in the tournaments. I mean, they played good in the London tournament um, this past November. And it was good to see them play live and a very good program there. And I think Cameron Reed really fits what Owen Sam wants to do. Um, when you look at the depth of this team, I think he, that's most definitely a good pick. And I think you look at this team, you need – I think it's defense. So I would go with uh, Cameron Reed, and that's the type – I'd go defense if I'm the only time attack because you're going to have a lot of goal scoring. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have the ability to add that as well um, throughout the draft. I think priority number one is defense. So go defense in round one. 
and possibly in for a draft as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peterborough Peets, a team that will lose quite a few guys next year. Um, definitely a squad that you expect to be in the rebuild process next year. Um, and they're trying to build the next core out of this draft to mm-hmm. lead them to kind of where they are right now, competing for a championship. Um, which is kind of where the Bulldogs were at at this point last year, as we previewed last year's OHL priority selection. Um, so for the Peterborough Peets, I don't know if you're looking for your future captain out of this to lead the next wave of Peets, but yeah, um, you know, it, it definitely may be a struggle at times for next year um, to get mm-hmm. wins and score goals. So uh, whether that's an extra incentive to take a forward, whether that's an extra ex- incentive, you know, to start develop uh, your defense again and build that up from next year on, you know, what, what are they looking at? Well, they're going to look at the best player available and it's interesting to see what they do because this is quite frankly, a team that you could see, try to trade up the Peterborough Pete's with a team with multiple picks in the second and try to trade up in late early second round, um, try to get into that picks from, you know, a little, Hopefully, squeaks down and get the 26th, 27th pick. Um, acquire Josh Y. Avery out of Peterborough. Um, he had a heck of a season. I just don't think that's when he would go to Peterborough, but 63 points in 35 games for the Peterborough Peets, um, in the ETH AHL. So, heck of a year for him. And I just think, you know, that's the type of player maybe that would help build a culture. Um, played in Peterborough, um, knows the area and I wonder if that's the type of move they'll go. I think they'll go best available. Go on the pick. I don't have the board up, but I think they'll just go best available. I think they'll go forward. I mean Ethan Weir could be a pick. Um out of the London Junior Knights. Uh Tanner Lamb Tanner Lamb could be a pick as well out of the Halton Hurricanes uh forward. Um Matthias Stark could be a pick. Um in that group there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do, but Lamb had 71 points in 35 games this year. 28 penalty minutes as well. The thing is, 5'10", 141. You know, you're going to have to get a little bit thicker, 141. <laughs> you know, you're going to have to get at least 160 um, for the OHL game in the playoffs. I mean, it's not like it used to be. You don't have to be overly sized because you see a lot of guys hold their own. I mean, I always mention Easton Cowan, right? He's not the biggest guy, but he always comes out with the puck. Denver Barkey's the same way. Those guys in London, they always come out with the puck. Yeah. So, he always wins puck battles, but I just wonder maybe they'll go there. But I think that's when you'll see the, those that group there um, go in the draft. Mm-hmm. Guelph Storm. I think yeah. we expect them to compete a lot harder out of the gate next year than they did this year. Um, I think a team that, you know, they get into the top 10 in the regular season, but um, the expectations should be high for them next year. Yeah. I think we should expect a lot out of the Guelph storm. They need to have a much better start. Um, we're going to be looking at Cam Allen coming through um, from the NHL draft from a rookie camp, you know, potentially from main camp. We'll see how he, how he does throughout the summer and into rookie camp. But um, you know, the Guelph storm, what, what is one need that you think they need to address? Yeah. You know, I think a lot, and I thought this with Kitchener as well. And I think Kitchener with that compensation pick will make this pick in Ethan Weir out of the London Junior Knights, which is interesting thinking Guelph and Kitchener taking someone from London. And here's the, here's the reason why. 
I think that the Guelph, you saw a lot of games at the start of the year where they need some character, right? They need someone to grind it out. They need that extra play. You know, they need that extra play. Ethan Weir, when you watch him play, you can tell he cares. You can tell he brings everything to the table that he can bring. And he was a captain of that London Junior Knights team. Um, and I'm sure if, for the average fan, if you were to say who was the captain of London Junior Knights team, you'd think Ryan Rubrick, right? Consensus up for exceptional status last year, never got it, but he was in the talks. Um, you would never think, but Ethan Weir comes from a hockey family. Um, I think that's a great pick for Guelph. Uh, and that's why I think the Guelph start and take. And speaking of last year, right, you go out of the London Junior Knights program as well. And now you get your team, now you get a former teammate, Ethan Weir, played with Ryan Rubik last year as underage players on that Junior Knights team. So that's my pick there for the Guelph Storm. For the next two, we'll head to Michigan. Uh, Saginaw, you won't have to do too big of a pitch to any prospect that you uh, select. But the Flint <laughs> Firebirds, we saw what the atmosphere was in that series against Saginaw. We see what it is all season long in that I-75 Divide Cup. You know, the Firebirds, one of the hottest teams to finish the regular season, 8-2. and two. Um, They scored just under 300 goals, 291. Um, a team that is a year out from making it to a Western Conference final. Um, I, the culture's there for the Firebirds, absolutely. That whole yeah. um, situation that happened, it's way in the rearview mirror. Um, I don't even hear it mentioned anymore, yeah. which tells you a lot about how far they've come since then. And, of course, the league stepping in, that helps a lot. But um, for the Flint Firebirds, it's not necessarily um, you're looking for guys to add to the culture of the Firebirds because I think you've already established what it is. Um, yeah, absolutely. You're just not that you're preparing for Amadeus Lombardi to make the Red Wings next year. Um, they won't be back. but I, yeah, um, you know, it, it's it's maybe that next guy to take his place down the road. Absolutely. When you look at their overages, right? You look at all the forwards that are going to be graduating from the Firebridge program. I think you're going to go forward here, and I think it's going to be a London night back to back. Um, London Junior Knight, Parker Snellgrove. Um, at the junior nights, big, strong player, uh, forward, um, really like his game. He was good at the, for team Ontario as well. He's six foot 170, um, 45 points in 29 games, plays tough, 22 friendly minutes in 29 games, six points in five games at the OHL cup. And I think his OHL cup really helped as well. Those two games, um, for him were massive. And, uh, I believe he's going to keep continuing, um, his success in as a, as a player and for the team. And I think he's a really good player for the Flint Firebirds. He's big, he's strong, um, powerful. And I think that's what the Firebirds want to be. So that's who I think they will take. Saginaw Spirit. Hi, we would like to draft this player. Oh, and you'll be part of a team that'll compete in the Memorial Cup. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty easy pitch, I would say. Um, but I also think it's about, you know, explaining and having the player understand coming in that, you know, you will be a rookie in this league. You'll be a 16-year-old. Yes, we are building towards winning a Memorial Cup because we're the hosts. Um, but but you also, you were a star on your team in your U16 year. Um, you will not be a star in year one, barring, obviously, mm -hmm. it could happen. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah, but absolutely. I think you have to expect that it won't. So I think you have to bring in a player that understands what he's going to bring to the table as a rookie for a team that's competing for a championship. And again, this is one year we're talking, you know, two, three years down the road, Saginaw could be in a very different situation. They probably will be. Man. 
Um, you know, you're looking at another two years with Michael Misa, obviously, depending on his development, we think it'll be good enough for him to be a first round NHL draft pick, but, um, you know, bringing in a player that understands his role and understands what he's going to bring to the table on a team that will be loaded by the trade deadline. This team will be loaded. Yeah. You know, I'm wondering, I'm wondering right now if part of the pitch and I think this is kind of the first team we circle on the list and we saw it already in the past and they're picking a couple picks in front of a lot of nights. Again, we saw it with Adam Fantilli and you matter Adam Fantilli was on the second of spirit this year. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. So you think about that, right? I wonder if William Moore is there, if they take the shot, I don't think William Moore gets past Saginaw. Um, it makes mm-hmm. sense for Saginaw to take the opportunity here. Because one, with Moore, you pitch you're in the same draft year as Michael Misa. Michael Misa coming into the draft is going to be a projected top pick in the National Hockey League draft. He's earned that already um, with how good he's been in this 15-year-old season yeah. and his exceptional year for the Saginaw Spirit. That's a pitching process in itself. You're going to play with Michael Misa. Um, we, you saw the opportunity they gave Misa. Obviously, in the Mem Cup, you're going to bring players in, players out. But I think with the opportunity there – I believe that they will make a pitch for more and maybe not year one, but I think draft year, here's your situation, right? Maybe not. Maybe he won't be a Saginaw spirit next year, which is okay. But you think about this, you're, you're 17 years old, right? You're in your NHL draft year. Are you going to go play college or are you going to go play and be on the same line as Michael Misa projected top five NHL pick? What are you going to do? Yeah. That's a very good selling point. And I think the Saginaw spirit will use that as leverage and they will take a chance on a guy like Moore. If William Moore is available, I would 100% do that if I'm the Saginaw spirit, because you have a piece there that you can sell off and build off. And we saw that with the Erie Otters with Connor McDavid. And I believe you're going to see that with the Saginaw spirit here. And mm-hmm. you have a chance to really be successful for not just next year, for multiple years to come, even after Misa moves on and graduates, you're still going to have a core there to come up, and all of a sudden it gives you five, six years in a row of being very competitive, which is massive. That's hard to do in junior hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarnia Sting, another team we expect a lot of guys to head out and move on. Um, mm-hmm. This is their year. They've made that clear. Jeez, I'm like Dr. Seuss here for a minute. Another uh, team, yeah. <laughs> another team that's gonna have a long year next year. Yeah. Um, but but another opportunity for a young player coming out of the OHL yeah. priority selection to show exactly what the future of the sting will look like and to put him, you know, out there already. And you know, a team that rebuilds, a team that um isn't very good, doesn't necessarily have a lot of stars, a lot of big names. This is a good yeah. spot to put yourself in the spotlight and make your name known oh. around the OHL. You know what? It would be a really good story if, I mean, it won't happen because he's not going to go with this pick. He's going to go five to 10 picks earlier than this. But Jack Nesbitt would be perfect. Eh? Yeah, Sorry, no yeah. kidding. Eh? Won't happen. That's a it great way to sell tickets. Happen. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good way to add on as well. Like, but it won't happen. I don't think you'll be able to make, I don't think you'll make it to Sarnia. I think he's going to go a lot higher than that. Yeah. But, um, most definitely will, but I'd be very shocked if Nesbitt was there when Sarnia picked. Mm-hmm. And if Sarnia picked Nesbitt and Nesbitt was available, it would be a run to the podium um, for Sarnia to make that pick. But, uh, yeah, I think Sarnia, you're going to go with best available here on the board. 
And um, there's numerous of options, right? You win a few picks in a row here without saying a defenseman. Maybe you take a defenseman. I think you're going to go young forward. You trade Nemestikov at the deadline. You trade a lot of young forwards. Wayne Wright's still there. He's had a pretty good camp. He'll be back a good season. He'll be back next year. Um, so there's going to be some players there, some young forward talent. I think we'll add to the forward group. Don't quite know yet what they'll do, but I think we'll add to the forward group. So so I, I, I'll ask you this question, Colin, um, because I was looking throughout the top 30 on elite prospects. About um, any goaltenders being available, there is one goalie available, um, or that we're looking at in the top thirty. At least, of course, one could go in the top. Another one could go in the top thirty. Yeah, is Ivankovic an option for Sarnia? Godro moving on? (sighs) Maybe you know, maybe. Uh, Whether whether or not you expect him to be a start is a different story. What are they teams, right? What are they teams after him would take them? That's another thing. That's another thing you look at the draft. I could see uh I could see him being an ag rice dog. I could see him being an ice dog in the second round, but a team a team with multiple seconds to be able to make that move. Uh I don't know if Sarnia does. Because what's ahead what's ahead for Sarnia, right? Um you have a decent backup goalie there now. Mm -hmm. Um so you look at the picks. I think you'll wait and you'll get the second best goaltender um, and you'll wait till the second round of draft a goalie. I think they'll go forward, but it's most definitely there. I mean, Sarnia is basically where the draft starts because what are they going to do? It's a team that's not picking when Peterborough does where it's like this team has a long road ahead if they don't win this year. And uh, them and Peterborough are two teams where it's going to be a long road. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, but I can see them going forward, but I most definitely will see them taking a goalie for sure. We'll see them taking a goalie this draft. All right, to the last five, and there's a chance that <laughs> this doesn't go very long. Um, London Knights, um, yeah, I think they'll be good next year. <laughs> um, you know, you'll, you'll see guys leave, of course, but um, still a competitive group coming back and just a, a, another wave of guys to – learn from the veterans to um, play half the games, unless you're a stud um, yeah. and you know, learn hunter hockey, learn how to play as a London Knight. And if you want to get to the next level, to the NHL, this is more than likely your best opportunity um, in the Ontario hockey league. Not to say that any other team is, is not a good option, of course, but it just, you know, the, the, the success rate of the London Knights, you can't, you can't, shy away from it you can't look over it yeah 100 i don't it's a tough one right to see what they do um it's gonna be interesting uh, i mean it always is they have a there's not a there's one player i really like on bishop carney who you know being a u.s citizen and you think london knights right away but five foot five 141 right handed that's that's small and i mean the knights haven't shied away from that in the first round, you look at the first round picks, we have saw smaller players. Um, it's Cooper Dennis out of Bishop Kearney. Um, I think he goes a lot higher. Um, 113 points in 75 games. Uh, that's a pick where I think you see London with the Americans in their track record of being able to land them. I think that's kind of a pick that they could go after. Um, 5-5, five, five, though, is kind of a little scary. Um, maybe you'll see Josh Avery go here to London. Um, High-skilled forward. You look at what they did at the deadline, right? They trade Testa out. They trade Bujal out. Um, they have a lot of forwards next year. Defense will be interesting for them next year. Mayu moves on. Um, then you look at Isaiah George coming back. 
Sam Dickinson stepping up. What do you want to do there? It's interesting. Do you go Luke Dragaseca out of uh, the Toronto Marlboros? Do you go Carson King? Cameron out of Central Ontario uh, Wolves? What do you want to do here? And I think the options are open. I mean, Carson Cameron's a good pick for them because 34 points in 30 games on the year, 6'1", 174. That's kind of a good pick for London Knights. If they want to pair him and Dickinson up for the long run, um, that'd be pretty solid. You know, London likes to build through the D, um, through the back. And so I wonder if that's what they do. And then also you look at their goaltending, right? Um, Bowen will be the everyday starter next year. Do they take a chance on a goalie? I doubt they'll take a chance on a goalie London in the first round. I mean, they rarely do that, but it'll be interesting to see what happens there for sure. Barry Colts. They're interesting. I think they'll go. That could be goaltending. Yeah. That could be goaltending. I mean, Thornton, like Thornton, it'll be interesting what happens there. Um, I think this is one team they look at the back end first. Yeah. Moving on, the graduates, Prasco, move up next year as a center. Yeah. Yeah. I I think. Cameron, it, it's tough, right? It's 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 a weird team, right? You you don't expect Absolutely. them to fully drop off next year, but you also like, are they gonna be a contender? I think they'll be selling. I think they'll be selling next year, but you can never count out Marty Williamson and staff. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, absolutely. Um, Windsor Spitfires. Ooh, <laughs> after a first round exit, winning nothing. Best player available. Yeah. They will take the best player available. It's going to be interesting to see what they do, but they are going to take the best player available. I think it'll take a forward. You look at their guys moving on, right? Goalie defense and a forward or a waste. Um, I think they'll go forward. I mean, I, they. what do you do, right? What do you do? Yeah. Um, they'll still be a good team next year. They have a lot of good forwards coming up, but it's one of those situations. Whoever falls to us at that spot, that's who we're going to take. Yeah. That's, and I think I think we could say that. I'll take an easy pick. Yeah, I think we could say that about North Bay and Ottawa as well. Although Ottawa will be just as good next year, um, in my opinion. Yeah. But the but the North Bay Battalion, you know, this is year two of really contending for a championship. Made it to the conference finals last year. Ended up getting swept by the Bulldogs. I have them winning this year. Are are they just best available? Is that? the point of the first round yeah. we're at, like the, where the North Bay battalion are at and, in, in, um in their franchise going for it second year in a row, probably see the drop off after this year. Um, and yeah. Best player available territory. Um, will we see absolutely. them sell all their assets next year? There's a good chance of that. Absolutely. All of their players to recoup some picks. Um, we could definitely see that um, for North Bay and then the Ottawa 67s. Uh, they'll be good next year. Wouldn't surprise me if they win their division again. Wouldn't surprise me if they're number one in the Eastern Conference again. Um, you know, they were my surprise team at the start of the year. They definitely exceeded yeah. expectations, that's for sure. Um, and I th- not whether they definitely. whether they win fifty one games again. I don't. Maybe that's obviously a possibility, but I still think they'll be good. Yeah. I think you're just looking for a guy to teach and show what winning is. They're in the perfect situation to do that right now. Um, 100%. To, to get a player to understand what winning looks like in the Ontario Hockey League. 100% agreed um, with you. I know let's go with the best player available. I mean, at this point in the draft, these teams are loaded, right? 
you're, you're, there's going to be a player that falls to them in the draft. There always is. Um, rich day, rich. I mean, Ottawa's a good drafting team for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, so is North Bay with Adam Dennis and staff. And I'm most I'm excited to see what Ottawa can do. I mean, they're a good system there. Um, most definitely a challenge, right? After you have a good team and you have the last pick in the first round, it's real, most definitely a challenge, and it shows how good you are. Um, mm-hmm. and it shows how you can do it. So it's exciting to see. And uh, yeah, Ottawa most definitely best player available. And I mean, the last three picks, it's always like that in the first round, and then it starts to add on. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our preview, at least for all all 20 teams, kind of what their needs are. Um, These two shows always tend to go long. So apologies if we rambled on too much, but uh, that's just that's just the time of the year. Um, We're in the middle of the playoffs. Um, It's draft season. And uh, yeah, it's exciting. Absolutely. Fun times. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Fun time. And uh, it was a fun one this week. Yeah. Thanks to everybody who listened. And we hope you enjoy the OHL Priority Select Selection. Uh, round one takes place on Friday. Rounds two through 15 are on Saturday. We will find out who goes number one Thursday. The Erie Otters are going to announce who will the first overall pick will be in this year's OHL Priority Selection. So get ready for that. Get ready for the entire weekend. Oh, yeah, and the playoffs are still going on. So throughout the week, throughout the weekend, enjoy that as well. So for everyone listening, thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Um, For Colin Ward, I'm Reese Dumaney. Thanks for listening, and we will chat again in seven days. (laughs) 